It's loud. It's obnoxious. But it's relevant. It's Dr. CarCast with your host, Dan Lacey. Uh, we're back here on Dr. Carcass. I'm with uh, a very lovely guest, articulate, intelligent. She's effectively known as the car coach, and she does a car coach reports. Uh, you can catch that on carcoach.com. Also on YouTube at car coach reports. Lauren Fix, great to have you with us. Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot going on in, in the automotive world. You know, you first you think of cars, you think of car reviews, you know what I mean? Or someone just talking about the car industry. But there's so much going on that's become sadly impactful on your life and you can call it political if you want i don't i don't like to hit into politics but there's a lot of things that are affecting you that are being passed through congress and you really need to know about it so i have another channel called car smarts uh you'll see a little cartoon of me and it's something that we were expanding because we're trying to make car coach reports more along the car review line because a lot of people want it separate but Every Tuesday and every Sunday, for sure, you'll see a car review. And sometimes I'll pop one in on Thursday. But I have a lot of really cool cars from around the world uh, as a world car of your juror. So I get to share those with you. Yeah, and every time I watch some of your reports, I get a little jealous because I'm not in that car <laughs> testing pool yet. Uh, maybe someday. Hey, I want to ask you a couple questions, some things that you've been a part of. And I know that you are uh, very educated on. First off, car shows. Uh, I've been reading up primarily on the LA car show and how people such as Stellantis decided to, to leave and not show up. Toyota took over a whole lot more real estate. Um, there were the others that came out with, with space that they galore they could use and others that just vacated the site and said, we're not going to be here. And for this interview, you mentioned a little bit that car shows have gotten a little bit more regional. Uh, you're close to Detroit being in Buffalo, New York. Uh, mm-hmm. You've seen some of these car shows up close and personal this these last couple of months. What's going on in the car show industry? I've been around the world. It's crazy. So I get to go to some of the, like, Geneva Auto Show. wasn't even in Geneva this year. So yeah. it was in Qatar. It's like, what? You know, it's Geneva. So there's a lot of moving around. Uh, we're going to get an opportunity to go to uh, the Chinese Car of the Year Awards because they're bringing their cars in here. But what, what happened with the LA Auto Show specifically, no more Germans. So... No Mercedes, no Audi, no BMW on the floor at all. Not at all. Because when the manufacturers pull out, typically a local dealer will pull in. So a big dealer group will come in and they'll bring their cars and they'll have their salespeople there. So when the consumers come in and the media is gone, it's really good for the local dealers in order to get people's butts and seats, as they would say. So you sit in the car, you talk about the car, maybe you go to a different model, you find what works for you, and they have a lead that could lead to a sale, which is really what the auto shows are about. So as manufacturers pull out from the corporate level, it doesn't leave much left on the show floor. And there was a lot of empty space at LA, which is unusual because typically it's packed. And there was a lot of um, upstarts and no one even used the the pantry room, which I thought was odd. Typically Porsche, they weren't there at all either. It's a big Porsche market too. So it was very interesting to see the pullout. And then there's typically a couple big dealers there that that take up one separate room and they bring in all of their toys and show off to everyone and have parties in their little room. But for the most part, Detroit has become very regional. No Germans, no British, so no Land Rover, no Jaguar, which we also didn't see at L.A. The only place you start to see all this is at New York. But New York, what they do in New York is the bigger dealers will come in 
a Mercedes dealer or so forth, rather than Mercedes being on the floor. Uh, and that's interesting and sad at the same time, but you're watching a lot of people pull away from that because of the internet. If I want to think about buying this Mercedes or that, or that BMW or Porsche, you just get online and see it as it goes live. Manufacturers have filled up their YouTube channels as well. And it's really sad to watch what used to be an honor to go to these auto shows be so good. I mean, you go there and you get to meet and rub elbows with all the executives and the CEOs. Matter of fact, Donald Trump was at the uh, New York Auto Show one year with Cadillac when they did a launch when he was still doing The Apprentice. So you never know who you're going to see, and that's kind of cool. But I think that time has passed. In mentioning the the car shows, uh, a lot of impetus was put on the fact that the UAW strike was going on at the same time. That yep. manufacturers decided to pull back because they needed to save their monies for their O&M or whatever the case might be. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, therefore, they weren't there. The UAW strike True. initially came out and attacked the big three. And I use that word probably too. No, it was an attack. It was an all all front attack. It all was. at once, yeah. yeah. Different and strategy. Think, yeah, and I think, the, I think the number, if I'm not mistaken, was 42% they were looking for on the on the uptick. Of yeah, it was something like 45 or something. And they, we knew they were never going to get it. And they wanted uh, all retirees to get full health care benefits. That was obviously a no-go. They wanted like a month of vacation. I mean, they wanted to work 30, 36, uh, wait, was it 32 hours, but get paid for 40? I'm like, any CEO who agrees to that would be fired on the spot, whether it's Mary Barra, Jim Farley. Well, the thing is Stellantis is a whole other story, but that was never going to happen. So the takes from the uaw strike i I know the big three they gained the employees gained a ton the i think the Mm -hmm. total outcome or uh loss on the big three was somewhere what over three over three billions guess who's going to pay for that loss well you and i yeah yeah when you go to buy a car oh and don't forget they got what like a they got a huge raise and then all the other car manufacturers said oh crap uaw is going to come after us too so you watch Nissan and Toyota and Honda and Tesla and everyone raised their rates to their employees by 10% out of the box. No problem. We got gotcha. you. And what, who's going to pay for that? You are. So next time you go to buy a Prius, it's going to be more expensive or you're going to go buy a Nissan Leaf or whatever it is you plan to buy. It's going to get more expensive. And that's just because that plus the new government regulations and everything else. But this UAW strike was very impactful to Ford and GM, uh, separate from Stellantis. That's a whole subject I want to separate just a, a moment. So Ford is, uh, Bill Ford, big mistake, huge mistake was bringing Bill Ford out to say, we can work this out. Dumb PR move. <laughs> Cause they looked really stupid. If Farley, if Jim Farley, who's the president, was there doing the negotiations, let the guy do it, bringing out the CEO or the namesake was absolutely useless and embarrassing, to be honest with you. Uh, and everybody said that it was a bad move. Uh, on another note, um, watching Mary Barra, she, she stayed with it, which was good. And I always say in that case, when it comes to GM, they are, they're making a mistake by going all electric, but now they're admitting that, but that's going to be another problem. Cause what the UAW didn't realize is if they go all electric, they need 60% less workers. Okay. We can do that. And that means less UAW workers. So Sean Fain, who's the president, thought, you know what? Maybe this isn't a good idea. So now they're all rethinking this. And it's interesting. You would think that, and this is not being political. I'm just reading the, reading the tea leaves. And, and I don't know what the future holds because I'm not that good. Um, but um, 
it's funny, a lot of these people say they're Trump supporters, which I thought was interesting because Trump wants to get rid of EVs. So we'll see what happens. That's a whole, like I said, I hate doing the politics, but it sort of keeps in filtering into every aspect of our lives. It drives me crazy. Um, let me just briefly talk about Stellantis. Yes. Yes. So Stellantis is a company which is Chrysler. We all know it is Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, right? Great product. Well, what happened was they got bailed out because they were going bankrupt. You remember that? GM got bankrupt. You know, they all they all took government money. They took your tax dollars. GM paid it back. They put a whole bunch of G, uh, GM took in a whole bunch of government officials who are still living in General Motors. Drives me crazy. But a whole other story. But as far as Chrysler, they couldn't make money. So what did they do? They sold the company to Fiat, which is Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, Fiat, Lancia, right? So now that's part of it. They called it FCA. We all kind of know that. We all kind of get used to FCA. Well, FCA couldn't make any money. So they started making a partnership with a company called PSA. Don't you love these three-letter acronyms? They're everywhere. PSA is Peugeot. Yes, the French car company. That's that's a a whole... I'm not going to go deep dive. So John Elkon, who is the... CEO essentially of this company really is not a fan of the electric vehicles, really doesn't give a crap about the UAW. And if they keep pushing him, he'll just pull all of the manufacturing out of the US and move it to Mexico or to another country. He doesn't care because it's not owned by the US anymore. It's not a US car company. There's no money. It's not going to get paid back. So your tax sellers went to Chrysler, which then got sold to Fiat, which then is now sold to PSA. And now they're called Stellantis, which is a dumb name, but whatever it is. So now Stellantis is not going to pay you back your money. It's gone. First time I heard the word Stellantis, I was thinking uh, Elon Musk must have something going on with satellites in this company. So also to note, recently Stellantis mm-hmm. offered uh, buyouts to 6,400 salaried employees. Uh, they yep. set up a part of it for the, the $19 billion need in uh, manufacturing investments. But you got to wonder in paying off 6,400 salaried employees in the u.s mm-hmm. move a little bit easier it's half their employees that's half so what else happened well that cute little new hornet that's coming out they had a great commercial by the way they're coming and it was all these hornets and freaking people that was really <laughs> great really great marketing that uh car is being built in italy that is actually an alfa romeo tonale a hundred percent a hundred percent. The only thing they do is they change out the Dodge badging. And instead of it saying Dodge, which it says nowhere on the car, it just says Hornet. And it's still got the same Uconnect screen. And so they're sharing that platform, that technology. So you're seeing the Uconnect main screen of a Chrysler that's now in Fiat because it's better than what Fiat was offering. And then the Fiat technology and the better handling and their motors and everything, because that's what they make across the world, is now in the Dodge product line. And they're selling them in stores at Dodge Hornets. They have cool cars. Kind of reminds you of a little uh, little play between Ferrari and Adino. For well, kind of more like Ferrari and Fiat because you know, yeah. but Ferrari is a whole other animal. You're not really seeing that. Maserati is also in the mix, but what you're seeing is a lot of this product that's coming out is Fiat product. So now they're not going to be building any more performance cars. That's it. That shut down just the other day. That is the last day for production of any performance cars. I am good friends with Ralph uh, Giles. I am good friends with Tim Kaniskis, who are the performance guys. They moved Tim. He was going to retire because he was so peeved. They moved him over to uh, trucks. So you, mm. you're not going to see the TRX even with the big motor anymore. At the end of the year, that's the end of the run for the big Hemi motors that everybody loves. I actually ordered a 
Demon 170, which is 1,025 horsepower car because you got to have it because when it's gone, it's gone. Uh, it's really sad. So talking to Ralph and Tim, they said there'll be other performance products. They're going to be supercharged, turbocharged. It's not the same thing or electrified because the government's put the pressure on them that if they don't comply, they're going to find the crap out of them. Let me switch gears on us. Pardon the pun, right? Pardon the pun. Yeah, because you don't shift gears anymore these days. You just let the transmission do its thing and whatever. Well, I do. So, I know. I <laughs> There's do. still a few manual transmission cars. I want a gated uh, shifter again in a car. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Lauren, uh, and again, we're talking with Lauren Fix, the car coach. She has the car coach reports on YouTube. You can also catch her at carcoach.com. Some great editorials, great information in the automotive industry. But I'm also on every form of social media, literally everything from Truth Social to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, I'm or X. I'm on literally everything. I have a sub stack also if you don't like using some of the other things. I'm also on Rumble if you don't like Twitter, if you don't like YouTube. You have to be everywhere these days, literally, because everybody wants to talk cars. And it, wherever you are, I'm at Lauren Fix. Easy to find. There you go. EVs, electric mm-hmm. vehicles. It's, I know it's a topic of discussion in the industry that, for you I, and myself, I know we're leaning on the same side of things, but let me let me just throw a couple of things out here that are in the mix. The EV battery startup, our next energy, lays off a quarter of its staff. Uh, they're also known as one. They build battery packs. Price is a global uh, issue for EV adopters. Uh, that is price and range. Get this: in the first three quarters of 2023, 7.4 uh, percent. That is the share that EVs had in the automotive sales place. And, and nobody's talking about the fourth quarter. Nobody's talking even about the what could happen in the fourth quarter or what is happening in the fourth quarter. Here's the I mean, one the that- drop in sales and the dealers can't sell anything. And 4,000 yeah. dealers have contacted the Biden administration saying, please stop pushing this down our throat. People yeah. are not buying them. And I cool. check, I've been all over the country, literally. And I'll stop in random dealerships, Toyotas, Ford, whatever, Volkswagen. And I'll go, oh, how's the BZ4X sales? Are you interested? They're like super excited that someone's even mentioned it. You know, none of these car manufacturers are doing well. Remember, 60% of the electric car market is owned by Tesla. And people this. buy them, not because of the tax credit, Right. They like the technology and the fact that they don't go to the dealer. They order it online. The car gets delivered. That's it. Right. Done. Hideous. But yep. they like it, you know. And the Tesla Model 3, along with all Tesla models, it looks like, is going to lose their tax credit in 2024. Yep. Uh, get this. The average dealership just came out today. Average dealership pre-tax profit is down le- nearly 20% in quarter three. And the last one I'm going to throw out there that's probably going to hit you a little hard because I know you're a big Ford person. You, you and your yeah. husband both race them, but Ford is cutting the 2024 F-150 Lightning production plans by half. The plant they built in Texas is supposed to produce 125,000 units for 2024. They've sold maybe 30,000 prediction for the year of 2023. And yes, they're sitting on the sidelines. They're sitting in dealerships right now being ready. They to can't do- get rid of them. Can't get rid of Hummer, them. Hummer, same thing. The local Hummer dealers got four of them sitting there. It's like, please, somebody come by and buy them. What's going All on? All right. So let's be honest. If you running a car company, you and I are running a car company and we go, okay, we're building model one, whatever that is. And we're not selling them. Either change the model, change the powertrain, change something, but it isn't the marketing. It's the product. Consumers are getting them. They're not getting what they were promised. The insurance is twice as high. The charging infrastructure is hideous. Yes, you can get a charger at your home. It's expensive. 
and the average cost of electricity is up 40% and it's up 60% in California. And I'm sure in Oregon, where you are, it's high as well. So all these states, New York, it's up a lot. You start looking at this doesn't make sense. Now add in cold weather and you lose a 30 year battery life. I live in Buffalo. We just had a snowstorm last Christmas. People were getting stuck. The, the dealers are actually turning away trade-ins. So a friend of mine had a lightning truck. And it's not the lightning truck specifically. It's all electric cars. You know, people that had all kinds of cars that got rid of them. As soon as the snow hit, they thought, well, they can get places because it's got all this torque. Should be no problem. They got stuck in the snow. They had no power. They had no way to charge. Funny, I can take a gallon of gas and siphon it from one vehicle to another. You cannot take a gallon of electricity and move it from one vehicle to another. Yes, you can charge your home temporarily, but that's not going to go on for days. I have a generator at my house. It's run on natural gas. Of course, it's big enough. My husband does everything like Tim Allen. It's got to be like the biggest, baddest generator you can get. I could probably light up the whole block. But the whole idea is that if people are giving up something, they'll give up a little of something but they're not going to give up a lot and people push back. And a perfect example is like AM radio. They start trying to pull it out of cars. Ford was the first one. Although I like my Ford product, I don't own anything electric and I will never own anything electric. And for 20 years I've been saying, and I have this discussion with my son who also works with us at car coach reports. Um, he even said the same thing. He goes, you know, it's been like 20 years. You've been saying this is a failure. It's a failure. Even in Germany. Today, they're pulling all their tax credits, and their top proponent of e-mobility in Germany, uh, the Professor Ferdinand Dundenhofer, uh, their leading automotive analyst, said, yeah, electric vehicles are a mistake in Germany, and it's a good thing we haven't written off the combustion engine. Huh. Wow. I think I've been saying that all along. And for racers, if you've ever watched Formula E racing, it's the same as watching paint dry. It's right. terrible. Have you been to a Formula E race? No, but I've uh, watched a couple on TV. The one in Portland, people Painful. have to go to. Yeah, and it was just—it was like, okay, we're we're just biding our time until the end because we can't push too hard, otherwise we're going to run out of juice. Right, and then for you as, a, as someone sitting in the grandstands, you're talking to the person next to you, and a car goes by, and go, oh, car went by. You're not, oh, car went by. You know, it's really weird. It, yeah, and if you hear a chirp, it's a tire after they make the corner. So by the time you look, it's long gone. So right. it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's really. It's not good. I've been to the New York Grand Prix. Uh, I know they put a ton of money in. They conned Audi and a bunch. Of, like I said, Audi won't give me cars. And I own two Audis. It's like, okay. Uh, I just get them from the dealer. I'm not going to play around with their games. Um, but they pick and choose the winners in our industry, too. So that's something. If you want to get involved in the car review side, remember that the manufacturers pick and choose the winners. You drink the Kool-Aid, we give you cars. You don't drink the Kool-Aid, we don't give you cars. But I'm on the North American Car and Truck of the Year jury as well as the World Car jury, so they have to give me cars. <laughs> when we look at early adopters in the EV industry, it looks like we've maxed out on those people. There's there's no more room. There's everybody's got their car that they want to have, whether they like right. it or want to leave it. Uh, California has actually started dropping its sales for EV products because the early adopters have already grabbed hold of things and nobody else wants them. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do in the government in order to, A, get people into an EV? I'm not proposing, nor am I saying that by doing this, we're going to get everybody to go to EV, nor do we want them to, you and myself. But yeah, no, I, I mean, it doesn't work for me where, where I live. There's no mass transit. It's like, if you don't get in a car that's gasoline or diesel powered, forget about it. 
Yeah, and that's what we're dealing with here too. No mass transit in, in mm-hmm. some certain areas of Portland. So we've got to drive. A lot of the country. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So what is it going to take if the government really wants to get EVs happening? I love this because you look at the mean income of the United States. It's what, 55,000, 60,000? Yeah, it's not a lot. No, you're asking them to buy a car that's more than their salary. Um, the average cost is like $60,000. I just sit there and chuckle. Yeah, yeah who's buying them? Look at, did you look at the average incomes of people that are buying these cars? Yeah, they're over $250,000. Yeah. That's not your average income. That's not even close. No, no. So who's buying these cars? All these kids that live in Silicon Valley? Fine. Go ahead, buy one. You should be able to buy one. If you want one, you should be able to buy one, cut them out. But I think it's a disaster to mandate anything. And here's the other thing. In order to afford them, you're seeing 72, 84, 96-month loan payments. That's super foolish on any vehicle. Yes. You should never lease a car more than its warranty. So most cars are three years, 36. The exception would be the German cars, four years, 50,000 miles. But I would never go beyond that. Not even for the Korean cars that are 10 year, 100,000 miles. So never lease more than four years max. Buying a car, never go more than five years because you will lose your butt. You will be upside down. In other words, you will owe more on the car than it will ever be worth. You'll be paying more in interest rates. So anything that's 84 months, 96 months is ridiculous. That is not the vehicle for you. Find another vehicle that you can afford. And keep in mind, state of California, state of Illinois are out of their mat. Remember they were giving out $2,500 for every car they sold? It's gone. Their fund is empty and they're not refilling it. So the federal tax credit is currently 7,500. Of course, as of 2024, only 10 cars qualify. And I'll be covering that on one of my news reports that I'm actually going to be posting. uh, I'm actually going to film it today, but it'll be the one that discusses the German car subsidies. We'll also list the 10 cars. I'll actually tell you since your listeners are here, 10 cars are eligible for 2024. The Chevy Bolt EV, which you're stopping production on. The Chevy Equinox EV, the Ford F-150 Lightning, Tesla Model 3 Performance, Chevrolet Silverado EV, Tesla Model Y Performance only, Chrysler Pacific plug-in, Chevrolet Blazer EV, which I just reviewed, Cadillac Lyric, which they're not even selling any of, and the Model X, which is the SUV, which is $80,000. That's it. Anything else? No tax credit. So you have to lease it to get any sort of credit. But then the state might match if your state has funds left. Stellantis is coming out with their new Ram EV, the Rev, I believe. Mm-hmm. Turbocharged engine that runs a generator that charges the batteries mm-hmm. so that can, the motors, the electric motors can power the truck. It's like a hybrid. It's, it's like hybrid. a hybrid, same thing. Exactly. Because when you got a truck, you're working. You're actually doing something. Right. You know, you can be out <laughs> in the middle of a construction site and go, oh, we got a problem. We're out of juice. You couldn't have used that welder. You just killed my battery. Now what? Will that be applicable for an EV credit? Uh, if it's built in the U.S., which we still don't have all the details on, and the battery compo- components, the, the materials are in the U.S., which none of them are, and the batteries assembled in the U.S., that's a full 7500 so it is not eligible for 2024. You might get a $3,750 credit. That is still in question. Right. And again, this, the rules are going to change, but as of this moment, there's only 10 cars that qualify, and sadly, none of them are selling. They're all expensive. The cheapest one is a Chevy Bolt EV. Great small car for the city. If you need an electric car, the Chevy Bolt will do the trick. So will a Hyundai Kona, which is not eligible. But, I mean, you to start looking at what makes sense, and what frustrates me is the fact that the federal government's mandating these things. And I, I think that I put it 
best uh, when I say this. Every government, not just Germany, should get the politicians out of people's lives, including deciding what kind of car they have, who's manufacturing the car, who's buying it, and let the free market decide based on supply and demand. The consumer must be king and the market must be free. We we talked to an engineer, a couple of engineers, actually, about a year ago about EVs and uh, asked the question about infrastructure. The The comment was, you cannot out-engineer with politics. You know, they set the bar way up high, but engineering mm-hmm. said, you can't get there. You can't get there in the time mm-hmm. frame you want. So one of the things that just recently happened is Pilot and Flying J just started opening up EV charging stations at some of their mm-hmm. locations. They've got, I think, 18 or 19 set up right now, and they're looking at like 75 or 80 within the next year or so. Interestingly enough, mm-hmm. pilots and the Flying J stations are really geared towards the truckers. The problem is none of those chargers right now are set up for trucks. So true. question is this. And listen, could you imagine a tractor trailer that's got a haul, lumber, whatever, and you're telling it it's got to be electric? How big do you think the battery would be for that kind of weight? Yep. It'd be at least half of the truck, which means it's half of a load, which still means you have to do the job twice now. You have to make that run twice, which is more electricity. This makes no sense. This is all, this Green New Deal thing is absolutely absurd. It is impacting every aspect of our lives from wanting to take away gas stoves, gas water heaters, which are efficient and effective, to go to electric, which costs twice as much and is not efficient or effective. Been a pleasure been fun yeah sorry i had to end that on a political note. <laughs> no no it's great it's great so what That's do you not, think i just i want people to be aware that no matter who you vote for you should vote no matter it doesn't make a difference who you vote just vote make your make your your word spoken so that you have a say and remember that you know elections have consequences choose wisely yeah yeah so in i know you said earlier on you don't know the future uh, no, I'm not that good. Things. I wish I did. Man, I'd go to the stock market. Amen <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on that. What do you see happening for EVs in 2024? Um, I think you're still going to see some really cool product. The, the manufacturers have delivered on cool product and things that people want. I do know that most of the manufacturers have said, pretty much all of them, we're not going 100% EV. Even Audi is backtracking now. They're going to say, we're going to offer hybrids, we're going to offer gasoline, we're going to offer plug-in electrics. If people want them, you can have them. And they're still offering diesel in Europe because it makes the most sense. So it'll eventually get sorted out. Uh, I knew that this would be like any other trend, any other thing that was short-lived. The, the crappy cars will disappear. The better cars will stay. Uh, there's a, quite a few awesome vehicles out there. Um, next administration, whomever it is, I can't read the crystal ball. Depends. Whoever that next person is that's sitting in the White House could change everything one way or the other, could make things more strict, could make things less strict. But it looks like, for the most part, that they're going to get rid of this electric mandate because consumers don't want it and your voice needs to be heard. Do you think that the auto industry can absorb that kind of shock? It's been super painful. You know, they made all these electric cars because they had to. They were told you can have billions of dollars in fines. Or million, you know, or millions of dollars in losses. So what are you going to do? You pick the least of two evils. You do the millions of dollars in losses. 
And now they're in a position that there are so many losses, they're cutting employees like we're talking about. You know, and then again, the UAW, electricity costs more, transportation costs more. I mean, everything costs more. And now they're talking about the steel cut, U.S. steel being sold to Nippon, which is a Japanese car uh, or a Japanese manufacturer. That's a problem because now we're losing our stability of making metals here in the U.S. And if that happens, everything gets more expensive. And And I think that at some point, you can't make everything so expensive, you will destroy the auto industry, which is about 60% of the Dow. So when you look at the Dow Jones and you see this stock market going up and down, whether you follow it or not, 60% of the impact is from the auto industry. That's a lot. And it's huge. Everything from technology to insurance, you name it. I, I think that we have to be careful what we wish for. I mean, you want an electric car? Go buy one. There's some cool product out there. And a really cool product. Great design. But if you don't, you shouldn't be forced to do it. And I, I'm just really concerned about the car manufacturers because they're shrinking. That's not good for the economy. And that's not good for the local businesses when you see half of the Buick dealers selling back to GM their franchise because they won't go EV. That's going to kill the Buick name. Yeah, Buick, And it really yeah. concerns me. Right. Yeah, Buick, uh, just for, for note, over almost 50% of the dealerships said we're not going to sell the EVs because Buick was, like you yep. said, all electric, and so they're going to do do other GM nameplates, and and I understand that. The one thing I want to, but it, it could put little dealers out of business. You know, if it puts yeah. a little guy out of business. It's your local jobs. It's yep. your kids' basketball team that needs a jersey with someone's name on it, or a baseball team, or you know, the Girl Scout troop doing something. It's going to impact literally everyone because the local dealers do support the local communities, and that's why it's really important to buy local. So we're also talking about the sub-suppliers, too. I mean, those are going to be impacted. Electrical, those that are put in mm-hmm. the substations or the charging stations. What's going to happen to all those charging stations if nobody's out there? There's all this infrastructure that's happening, all this back office stuff of going on with EVs mm-hmm. that's going to possibly mm-hmm. implode if this whole thing gets changed. Right, and it, it's easily easily done that... Um... The next, the, I think what people don't understand, let me just back that up a second. What people don't understand is that car manufacturers don't work at, let's look at next year's model. They're working 10 years ahead. So they already know, here we are in 2023, they already know what 2033 product's going to look like. They already know what it's going to look like five years down the road. And they're already have like a final version of something that's probably two or three years old. So if you go and say, hey, no more EVs, we're doing hybrids which is what consumers are looking at, which is a great option if you lease, because I wouldn't own one because of the warranty and batteries and two propulsions and all that. But if you're saying, you know what, I think I'm going to lease, you know, a hybrid product. That's a great solution. gives you the best of both worlds. But the car manufacturers were making electric cars because they were told they had to. So now they have to shift gears. The car manufacturers that I've talked to um, that I can tell you about, Hyundai, BMW, uh, and Stellantis have all said, Every chassis we make, whether the government cares or not, is available to be hybrid, gas, or electric. Interesting. Because I even said cars like the Jaguar I-Pace is a great-looking car if it was a hybrid plug-in, but it's all electric. So if Jaguar's smart, they'll make it a hybrid with like a two-liter engine or something. They'll probably sell them all day long. But, I mean, that's the whole thing. These car manufacturers are in such a pickle now that if they're not planning ahead with those potential changes that would impact the bottom line of their company and the future of that company at all, then they're not going to be around. And I fear that we may lose a couple car companies. I hear you. And I, I've had the same thoughts. And the Chinese are coming. 
uh, plants in Mexico so that they bypass the UAW, they bypass all the U.S. government rules, and they're going to ship them in here and put them in the dealerships, like the old Buick dealerships that are sitting there. And it's quite alarming. And car manufacturers are scared to death because they're going to come in and lowball this price. You know, the quality is not going to be that of a Cadillac. It's not going to be that of a Ford. It's going to be transportation, and you'll be able to pick up one for $25,000, and initially they'll look great, but they're not going to last long. They're going to be like a brown paper bag. Use them a few times. <laughs> so keep that in mind. They're coming. I've already seen them. I've driven them all. I've reviewed them all. We've been talking with Lauren Fix. Uh, you can see her at laurenfix.com, at Lauren Fix as well, at uh, on YouTube, at Car Coach Reports, and uh, at Wealth of Information. Lauren, always great to see you and talk with you. And thank you so Thanks, much for Dan. coming to Dr. Carcast. Anytime, Dan, you're great. Uh, as we're moving to the glove box and we pull out the service manual for us to read a little bit this morning, I think back to the comment that Lauren made uh, about being careful what you hope for. I thought it was very telling because there's so much in this world that we hope for and we plan for, but we don't think about the ramifications of what it's going to be down the line. You know, make all these plans. We're hoping for what is to be the next great thing, but we don't consider what is even right in front of us. And how also our decisions that we make today affect our future. In Proverbs 27, 1, it reads like this, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. I repeat that. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day will bring. Uh, I think back to a time in, in college when I was still living at home. I was working and painting houses, actually, in my neighborhood. And I happened to be next door to my best friend's parents' home. They were getting ready for a European vacation. Uh, he had just, his father had just retired. They had all these big, grandiose uh, plans in place. And I was watching him throughout the day. Hey, Gil, how are you? Uh, saying hello to him. And uh, noticing he was slowing down a little bit. He he was a little bit overweight. He was... Um, Huffing and puffing, sweating quite a bit. It was a warm summer day. And I went back down the hill to uh, to shower at my house at the end of the day. And my mom came banging on the bathroom door and said, hey, there's an ambulance up top. And Gil had had a massive heart attack and he died. He had all these plans. And though he planned and he, he had his sights set on this big European vacation uh, with his family, he never made it. But we make these... Uh, grandiose plans. I think about EVs. We're, we're not thinking about what this means for the future. We've got the government laying out plans for 2030, 2035. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. These are all going to be in place. But we don't think about today what that means in the future. And we don't think about what's currently in front of us as we plan for the future. The uh, The infrastructure of EVs is is quite critical. And I'll never forget what an engineer told me months ago about EVs and the infrastructure. And he says, you can't outbuild with politics. You can't outbuild with politics. And so we we say we're going to do this. We say we're going to do that, but we're not paying attention. Case in point, even recently, and we mentioned it in this interview with Lauren, the UAW strike, you got your money, people. But now what you, what you also got were layoffs, uh, production changes. EVs aren't selling, so they're they're shifting production. They're taking 
uh, away assets that they were going to throw at battery production plants and other facilities for building EVs, and they're putting it in a different direction. The manufacturers don't have today what they need for tomorrow, and they have less now because you got your money. Now, I'm not advocating that they shouldn't have gotten more money, but the whole thing adds up, and if we're not paying attention today to what we have, and we plan out for the future, it's going to hit us over the head. I'll leave you with this uh, this other verse, and then Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. There's a current bridge in the Portland, Oregon area called the Abernathy Bridge, and it's going through some seismic upgrades for the big future Cascadia quake, they call it. Um, it's a good plan, but... I always tell people in kind of a joking manner, if God wants that bridge to come down, it's going to come down. I don't care how strong you make it, it's going to come down. So we need to keep our eyes looking at what God's plan is for us today, this day. We want to plan for out there in the future, but we can't out-accelerate the reality of where we are today. And it's good today to keep our eyes on the service manual. Open the glove box up. It's called the Bible. It's a great place to get some resources and some information on what God's plan is for your life. I use it for my life. Not only plans for my life, but for my future. That's all we have for today on Dr. Carcast, and we'll be back again soon. You can find Dr. Carcast on Amazon, Spotify, and Google. Also at drcarcast.com. That's drcarcast.com. This has been a production of Dr. Carcast. Some of the products and services mentioned may or may not be connected with the show, and any ideas or opinions are for educational and entertainment purposes and belong to Dr. Carcast.